Good morning, Dr. Angela Lindbergh. Welcome to the Six Figure Jobs podcast. How are you? I'm so well. Happy Friday. Thank you so much, James, for having me. Yeah, um, I see you got the good light behind you. Yes, it makes a huge difference. Um, it's a gorgeous day here in Chicago and excited to get out there and enjoy it. So. Yeah, amazing. Um, so you are a industrial psychologist, correct? Yes, industrial organizational psychologist, IO for short. It's kind of a mouthful. IO for short, all right. Mm-hmm. So a lot of our listeners, you're the first uh, industrial and organizational psychologist that we've had on the show. I know what you do for a living, but I'm so excited for people to learn what you do for a living and how you make work better. It's just a very simple way to say what you do. Um, As everyone knows, uh, I only have friends on the show and people that I actually know in real life. So it's awesome to talk to you again. I'm so happy that we connected through LinkedIn and now we've been really building something cool. And by the way, the report you sent me, incredible. Like I'm already, a lot of that I know just from a native place, but you, the data you're giving me to back up what I'm doing now is like amazing. Fantastic. I yeah. thought it was helpful. Yeah, we, we do so much evidence-based work here at ButterUp, and I'm glad that we could share that with you. Totally. And then by the way, just sidebar, um, I'm in this big group of like 50 plus recruiters at global agencies, and uh, I have a speaking gig for you to get in there. Oh, would love that. Yeah. Any way we can expand on our research and bring that to more people is a yeah. great yeah. So thank you for thinking of us for that. Yeah, so that way you can connect with that whole group. And they're huge, like more your level, like multi-thousand, you know. Shopping. Okay, larger companies, great. Yeah, exactly. good. yeah. anyway, cool. So welcome to the podcast. Um, so you know what? I, I made a comment about where you're living in your space. So a lot of people don't know that like industrial psychology also it's ergonomics and how people feel in the space. So first thing that I would love for you to just kind of walk us through, like, how do you go about like walking into a building and saying like, ooh, this place is unhealthy, the light is bad, people can't work here and be productive? Because I'm sure a lot of our listeners have worked in shitty offices that were dark and dank and the chair was all messed up. So how do you go about that? Because that's a pretty cool thing to, to learn. Yeah, absolutely. And, and great question. Um, the field of IO psychology kind of really sits by blending psychological principles with our work lives, right? And so um, we always joke, like, I'm not analyzing you, I'm analyzing how you work. Um, And a whole lot of that is, how is the culture set up for you to succeed? Um, And we're not always creatures of habit, right? We're we're creatures of culture. And so that plays such a role, especially in our workplace, on cultivating things like productivity, well-being, retention, so on and so forth. So um, I think maybe it would be helpful for us to talk like pre-COVID and then maybe yeah. post-COVID because many of us are, as you know, you're you're in my kitchen today. So um, so it looks a lot differently now than it did six months ago or so. But um, one of the things that we always tend to look for are what are the components that are in place in a workplace that are really making it flexible for individuals. Um, and as we've moved from, it used to be work-life blend, or well, work-life balance, and now it's work-life blend. And mm, now post-COVID, it's almost like we're on top of each other. I don't even know. There's probably some new great word for it that we should probably coin, but yeah. um, how do we look for those balance um, elements? So we've we've seen things like ping pong tables, right? But that's not that's not culture, um, but it's evidence of how employees want to be able to bring them their whole selves to work. Right. 
um, and to be able to have those friendships or have happy hours. And usually that involves some sort of element of like gaming or dreaming or enjoying yourself outside of being in front of a computer. So um, I think for us, it's a, a lot of how do we understand how employees can bring their whole selves to work. And sometimes that things like childcare, um, things like nap pods, <laughs> um, things like the fitness and nutrition elements that we could see throughout an office. And so it's not always, what does it take to inspire as a leader, but how are you able to thrive as an individual in your workplace? And sometimes that shows up in objects or things or rooms that are dedicated to really cultivate that type of environment. Mm -hmm. Now, if those things are in place, we need to make sure that the culture is there to support people leveraging those things. So is this just a, an espoused value or object, or is it really lived, right? Is my manager giving me the time to go on a run during lunch or utilize the exercise room or have the flex to, you know, bring in my, bring, come an hour later, right? So I can drop off my kid to daycare or something like that, mm -hmm. right? So those two things need to be in place, right? Like, is there the willpower for something like that? But also, is there the way power? Um, and so having that, that channel, but also the resources are two key elements of what that is. Awesome. So for one of our listeners, let's say that's, that is two years from now and everyone's back in offices successfully. Um, what kind of talking points would you give them to go to their HR department or their manager, CFO or whomever and say, Hey, you know what? It would be really cool if we could do yoga on Fridays or if we could, have a run club, or if the walls were not lime green, they were slate gray? <laughs> uh, this is a great question, and I love it. Um, I, and I love the fact that it's an individual contributor being empowered to bring that, that question up. Um, so and, and I think we're all looking forward to getting back in the office, but there will be a profound way that we look at well-being now moving forward. Mm -hmm. And this has always been something that's near and dear to our heart and where my passion lies in a whole lot of our fields. But it took a pandemic for a lot of us to go, wow, the health and well-being of our employees has always been number one. But man, we really need to make sure this is number one. Um, and so I think as the world evolves, we will be able to make adjustments and accommodate more so than we used to. And it may be that we don't need a manager's position to feel empowered to bring those things forward or to start those movements on our own, right? Like we don't always need the top down. It can be that bottoms up or the middle out um, where we can start to take that initiative and, and do it ourselves. So I would actually encourage individuals to, you can start a walking or running club, right? Without the permission of your manager. Um, but those more functional elements of like changing wall colors or creating an environment that helps support people that comes into personalizing things a little bit more. And so, um, of course, that's usually an HR conversation and, and so right. on and so forth. But um, people but yeah. like me, the HR people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'll have to put the stamp of approval on something like that. But I think we'll just we'll see a lot more openness to what cultivates well-being in individuals and how that influences how every single one of us show up to work. Yeah. You know, I like what you said about employees, team members. Um, I, you know, I, I know we're using employee as a talking point, but I'm sure you're like me that I actually don't even use that word, you know, people, teams, uh, squads, peeps. But I like what you said about them just being like, don't ask for permission. That's one of my principles of life. 
just go grab seven people and start walking every day. Mm-hmm. And then when you create that, people are going to see it and want to support it because that's true leadership. So I love what you said about that, which segues us into really the second part of the conversation is, um, and this is a really loaded question. So take your time and hopefully I don't put you on the spot too much, but, you know, industrial and organizational psychologists. So, so much is said about mindset. So much is said about toxic work environment. Can you take me through when someone says mindset, what does that mean? You know, you as a psychologist, and then we'll just kind of take a break there. And then the last thing I want to talk about is like this toxic work environment conversation that a lot of people have, have been having. So, so what is mindset? How, how do I have a mindset? Like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you're right. Loaded question. There's so many different ways we could kind of unpack that. Yeah. In the sphere of thinking about employees, heartbeats, you know, teams, whatever we want to call them, um, how, the lens we're always looking at is through how does this cultivate a better work environment, right? So how does this amplify things like um, performance, um, engagement, commitment, meaning and purpose? And so I'll kind of take that shape of how we look at this in the, in the workplace, essentially. And what we've found over the last years, and this is really coming forth in the last about 20 years, where the research has shown that we can actually create and measure mindset growth. Whereas before, and I don't know if you were raised this way, but I remember my parents threatening me with, you know, don't do drugs because it'll kill your brain cells and then you can never grow more. And like, that was the scariest part of doing drugs when I was growing up. But now what we know is that we can actually create new cells, not that I'm advocating for anyone using drugs, but that we can actually make new connections in the brain and we can build those things even as we age, whereas we didn't think that was possible before. And one of the key components for doing that and really amplifying that is creating a growth mindset. And not all of us have a growth mindset ingrained in us, but it is something that we can develop over time. Um, And so you can think of this as almost being like a different channel in your brain. And sometimes you can almost, if you're, you know, you've created the self-awareness or turning that attention inwards, you can see yourself shift from one to the other. And you can, very simple exercises just to take a scenario um, that you are debating and you're kind of at that fork in a road and you can see one scenario or the other. Are you going to be a victim or are you going to be a victor of what's happening right now? Yeah. And so obviously the victor mindset being a lot more of that growth oriented one, whereas the other one can be very negative. You're um, kind of in that fixed mindset where you don't think there's any opportunity for growth here. Um, so in the workplace, what we know about having a growth mindset and adopting that is that it leads to so many other amazing things um, where we can start to develop the skills and really be inspirational as team members and as leaders, too. So it's kind of the really the framework, right, that we start yeah. with where we can get those building blocks and lead to that self-actualization in the workplace. But it is not easy. It takes a lot of time to build a growth mindset. and it's. Um, a practice and a muscle you have to flex regularly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just to give a direct plug to better up. Um, I had my first coaching session with, um, yes. Don, How and, was it? And he's awesome. He's mm-hmm. like, I don't know. Yeah. He, he saw me real quick. 
there was no fluff. I mean, I'm not a fluff person and I'm super self-aware. So we just like dug right in. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, Sean is amazing. So shout out to your whole company and what you all do. I mean, I'm like living proof. But um, the cool thing is when you're talking about that mindset shift and the analysis of mindset from a quantitative measurement and qualitative analysis, Sorry, podcast, we're going scientific today. We're all with the doctor. <laughs> um, um, and you were talking about neurogenesis and neuroplasticity. I got you. Don't, don't worry. I, <laughs> um, so I saw the assessment tools that you all have. And after my first session, there were questions right in the moment. So now I see how over time, it'll be measuring that progress. And, 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 and then I love how you said something super tangible for our audience, I just want to repeat it. And I always do the, the bomb button because you, you, you dropped a truth bomb. You just said, and correct me if this is wrong, but mindset is as simple as you're in the workplace. There's an instance, an incident, a initiative, whatever I word that we want to use. And are you a victim in that or a victor in that? And you decide how you're going to approach it and what the outcome is going to be, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm so glad you looped in kind of better up in the measurement and the component piece, because that's where I feel so blessed to be part of this organization. Um, you know, we're the first ever company applying scientific research to personalized development. Um, and we can create this lasting behavior change. And, and part of how we do that is by changing mindset. Now, somebody like yourself, perfect example, you're walking into this journey with better up with a pretty strong growth mindset. So you're probably diving right into a bunch of skills that you can develop and perfecting and refining, optimizing a lot of things. And you're doing that through a one-on-one experience with a professional coach, Sean is unbelievable. Um, Whereas take somebody who's maybe in this fixed mindset, right? And there are plenty of us and like, I have my days (laughs) where I wanna play that victim card so badly. Um, Where that journey has to be personalized too because that person's in a different spot. And so that coach is skilled in actually creating and shifting somebody from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset. And that really starts with a lot of the self-awareness. And so that's where the science comes into play, where we have to understand what are the strengths and opportunities for improvement here. And and like you said, we can see and celebrate the progress on this now now because we, we now know based on science that we can measure these things. So I'm excited for you in a couple of months to see what happens when you get reassessed on your baseline and then we can track and, and celebrate that progress over time. So yeah. yeah, it's something we can change and we know that now. So yeah, I love, I love science. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> great. So l- last question, um, toxic work environment. So as a chief human resources officer myself, you know, when I talk to CEOs and, and, and CFOs and, and others, you know, it's a whole new world. And I've been spending a lot of time talking to, educating. Um, you look, a lot of people think HR is only on the side of the company. But, um, you know, I've always been a strong advocate of employees first. And the biggest thing, uh, I think the way you would probably say it is, you know, like preventative, right? Like the information you sent me about inclusion. Uh, and and may, maybe I'm answering my own question. I feel like inclusion is the answer to not having toxic work environment, but how would you define what toxic work environment is in your own words as a doctor and as a professional? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and I would maybe refine inclusion and, and just shift it to belonging. And I think that's kind of the simplest answer is right. I don't necessarily want to show up and feel like I'm included in something. I want to show up as my whole self because that is where I belong. Yeah. And so when we think about well-being, like that is how, how, how do I feel when I interact with my, when I show up to work and when I interact with my colleagues? And if that is making you more or less unhealthy, that's a really good identifier if you have a toxic work environment or not. And so I think it goes back to like a lot of the well-being components, but the manager plays such a huge role here Mm -hmm. and um, they can really be an accelerator of a lot of these things, or they can be a buffer for a lot of these things Mm -hmm. in certain organizations. And um, so, so I, I put a lot of weight on that because they account for so much of the variance in not only engagement, but well-being, especially from a toxicity level. Um, and so we place a lot of emphasis on giving those managers the tools and skills to be able to inspire their teams and kind of protect them in a way. Yeah. Um, you know, there's some really great statistics out there about like, like 50% of companies, over half of companies now have flex time. This is kind of a pre-COVID world, but, mm-hmm. you know, less than 15% of people actually use it. Right. <laughs> yeah. And why is that? And, and 70% of that variance is actually because of the managers mm-hmm. and how they're either promoting it or not, not encouraging it in a way for people to take advantage of it. And so I think it boils down to the manager and whether they're helping to buffer and kind of, um, I, I imagine them just like, you know, it's raining really hard and they're kind of uh, huddling over folks to protect them. And, and now more than ever, we need stuff like that. So. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a difficult conversation when we talk about a toxic work environment because it spreads like cancer. Um, but yeah, we always know like, you're going to leave a manager, not your job. So yeah, I think that was like super succinct in explaining it. Like that really is the thing. Obviously it's not, it's not money. Yeah. I mean, people will be underpaid and happy. Yeah, Yeah, we've done some significant research around that where people will actually trade over 30% of their lifetime earnings, 30% to do work that has meaning and purpose. It's it's so neat. I'll send you that too, because it's in a very similar format to the belonging research I sent. But I mean, this is wild stuff and it's, it's science. Like we know it, but why is it so hard? Right. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Angela, um, for our audience that's looking to get professional coaching or learn more about BetterUp, um, how do they get in touch with you, your your company? Yeah, no, thanks for allowing that plug. I'm, I'm so passionate about what we do. And um, so www.betterup.co, if you end up with an M on the end of that, it will uh, put you in the right spot regardless. But the company is called Better Up, um, and we're the first digital platform putting science behind talent development. Um, Swipe yeah. up, Better Up. Yeah. Yes, very <laughs> exciting stuff. Um, and my email is angela.lindberg at betterup.co if you want to get in touch with me directly or connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm more than happy to have conversations. So, um, That's yeah, I, I know this was just the tip of the iceberg, but I hope that people are taking away very simple and tangible nuggets about being a self starter choosing your mindset and making sure that your manager is protecting you in a feedback in a 
communication loop. That's kind of what I'm hearing from the three different parts that we discussed. And obviously there's so much more. Um, do you have a book on the way? Ooh, well, if you consider my dissertation a book, that's what it felt like. Because <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm seeing a book. With, oh, gosh. Now you've planted some sort of seed you're going to follow up with me on. Um, uh, you know how I work. <laughs> perhaps. Let's, let's get the marathon under the belt first. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm doing a lot of uh, reading for pleasure right now. And so that's, cool. that's always a great way to start to inspire. What is the second mountain, right? Yeah. Um, recently finished my PhD. Congratulations. In my work. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm kind of refocusing. What's, what's my next goal? And so I don't know if it'll be a book, but, um, but I'm in that phase right now of redefining new goals. So, yeah. you know, like <laughs> yeah, well, uh, congratulations on living in your purpose. Congratulations on accomplishing your PhD. And the one thing of all the knowledge that you dropped from today's conversation that stuck out to me, and this is just my personal mindset that everyone on the podcast and in the six figure jobs community and the various communities that I'm a part of knows about me you said i'm blessed mm. when, when you said that mm -hmm. something ignited in me speaking of neuroscience it is magic as you know it's science but it's also magic because science doesn't know everything right mm -hmm. but when you said i'm blessed to be a better up you know i just got a little like ooh, ooh, in my system because it just shows me where you are in your life and that's oh man it's just refreshing so thank you Oh, that's, uh, well, and I mirror that with you too. So thanks for that, calling that out. It, it's truly meaningful to me and it, it's the truth. I, I feel so, so blessed to be here and grateful yeah. to be the organization doing life-changing work. That's so cool. And you know what's so powerful about that? Like when you said you were blessed, it blessed me. So thank you. Oh, wow. You just made my day and it's early. So, <laughs> so that's good. <laughs> awesome. Well, Dr. Angela Lindbergh, thank you so much for being on the Six Figure Jobs podcast. Have a wonderful Friday and thank you for being you. Thanks. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, James. Take care.